Hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Higher Future. This is UB Sinietti with Interview IA. And uh, today we're, we're having a, a really important, powerful conversation because of you know the, the last 18 months, this, this shift in how we work, how we're living, um, and, and the impact of all of that on, on many people as it relates to substance abuse and addiction and mental health. Um, and so, first of all, Gregory Silva, I want to welcome you to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Yubi, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And and so let, let's start. Like uh, First, how do you introduce yourself and tell people about you and what you do? Um, well, I tell people that I work in addiction. I'm uh, operations director for three treatment centers here in Southern California. I work with people from all over the country and all over the world, actually, who are looking to um, for sobriety, either for themselves or for loved ones. And, you know, I basically say, I'm here to help. You know, what can I do for you? People come to me because they've reached their kind of bottom and uh, nobody wants to come to treatment just because they think it's going to be a fun vacation usually something's happened. Um, they've gotten some kind of, uh, you know, drug test at work. They've gotten a DUI. Their wife or husband has said enough or I'm going to leave you. They've told their kids, you know, kids have, you know, run out of options for, uh, you know, we, we treat people from 18 on, I say kids, but young adults um, mm -hmm. that have been struggling that need help. Um, they reach out to me and they ask me what we can do to help and I explain what treatment looks like and hopefully um, they get it and we can get them in either bring them into one of our places or recommend a place that might be a little more suited to them depending on the circumstance but um, the key is to just get help and you know that's my life that's what I throw myself into. It, what And what drew you to this work? I um, actually uh, was in marketing, international marketing. I worked in France a lot and uh, I lived in Southern California. I had a really good friend who was uh, drinking a lot, using drugs and had some uh, some depression. And he was actually my house sitter. He would watch my dogs while I was gone. And he was having a particularly tough time. I tried to get him help, but he was refusing. I just didn't know enough about treatment. Mm -hmm. He had the keys to my house. One day I got home and he had committed suicide, asphyxiated himself in my garage. He took a handful mm -hmm. of Xanax and it just tore me apart. I felt so guilty. I didn't know, you know, what I, else I could have done. I wished I'd have known more. It kind yeah. of threw me, threw me for a loop and it took me a little while. And I ended up uh, changing courses and career. I started working with the treatment center, helping them market the more mm -hmm. I learned, the more I wanted to learn. So I worked my way into uh, uh, operations director. So I actually get to touch every little piece of treatment with our, mm -hmm. with our sites. I get to interact with patients. I help promote. And that's kind of what I'm doing here on the show. But, um, you know, my goal is to teach people the questions they need to ask if they themselves or they have a loved one who needs help, um, you know, and and it's not difficult, just, you know, sometimes there's just, you just, people don't know the answer and, and certain, uh, a little bit of knowledge can save a life. And mm -hmm. over the last 10 years, um, I can't tell you the people that um, we've saved from basically 
not being here to have right. because we got them into treatment and we've got them sober and got them their feet under them on the right track and now they're having great successful lives and it's only because um we teach people the right questions to ask and, and how to uh how to handle the situation if you have somebody who needs help yeah i that's yeah it's such a powerful story and i, I thank you for sharing that with us um you know, it's in the parallels of, you know, because we always say in, in the business that we're in, you know, it's, it starts with the questions, like you got to yeah. ask the right questions. And I think that's, that's so powerful to remember, but even more so. So before we kind of get into, because there, there's an application here for businesses too, right? If we think, sure. you know, if, if we take, you know, the, the people who you're trying to help and who you are helping, they probably have jobs somewhere, right? And so- yeah that's impacting that. And then you think about COVID. So talk about the impact of the last 18 months on, on all of us, on, on people with this disease, with, sure. with addiction and substance abuse and mental health issues. Like what, well, what, what's happened? To, to, to preface before we even talk about that, we now understand that most, if not all addiction has some type of uh, mental health aspect to it. It's right. not just someone who drinks too much or takes drugs. It's someone who is trying to quiet their mind. So they find whatever they find mm -hmm. that helps. And then they end up doing it to excess, which ends up being a bigger nightmare than the original trauma. Right. So um, during COVID, there is so much anxiety out there, not just COVID too, but the political um, climate yeah. and things like that. People are just at such a heightened sense of uh you know, trauma and, uh, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. people are just, you know, they're biting their nails. They're, you know, sitting at home watching the news. They're, um, afraid to go out, whatever it is. And some of us have taken it harder than others, but, um, the use of drugs and alcohol have skyrocketed over mm -hmm. the last 18 months. We see typical like women who didn't normally drink as much as men, we yeah. say them five, six times uh, more uh, uh, abuse using alcohol. And uh, we see breast cancer and uh, heart disease and things like that go up because it is connected to um, alcohol. So um, anyway, we just understand that, you know, people are under a lot of stress and stress causes people to want to um, try to feel better and sometimes if you um, start using some kind of drug or alcohol to make you feel better, um, it quiets your mind and the next thing you know you're doing more and more. If you have drink a glass of wine after work in the last you know year or two years, you're drinking three or four glasses of wine kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're taking Xanax because you can't sleep or a sleeping med, you're doubling that dose or tripling that dose. And then you need something to help you wake up in the morning. So, I mean, it's just, we just see a huge explosion of uh, the other pandemic, which is drug addiction. Right. Life. Well, and then, and so then you layer that on with everybody working from home and, and, and easier access, you know, throughout the day, right? It's not, it's sure. not just at the end of the day when you come home. Yeah. Um, and so as, like as an organization, as a company who has employees, uh, what, how, 
what are some signs? Like, how do you look for, especially virtually, you know, when we've been communicating mm-hmm. like this, um, what are, what are signs that companies should be looking for to understand if this is happening well, to their employees? A lot of, uh, you know, we do these uh, Zoom sessions and things like that. Visually, you can see if someone looks disheveled or slurring their words or um, mm-hmm. looking really tired. Those are some signs. Um, people missing those meetings, people not saying their camera won't work so you can't actually see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that a lot. Um, there are signs. You'll, you'll just know if an employee is off, their, their production level drops. Right. Um, you know, they're uh, irritable. They're um, trying to pick fights kind of thing. Those are little signs that obviously something's not right. If, if they were in a place of business, you would see that easier. So we can still do that uh, via Zoom. You can, you know, emails may be short or, you know, sloppy, things like mm-hmm. that change in a lot of change in uh, personality. Um, and that's when uh, businesses and HR need to kind of jump in and assess the situation. If it takes a face-to-face meeting and a really frank talk, um, that needs to happen. That's what will prompt someone to seek help. Yeah. Well, and, and I would even say there's a step before that, which is that, you know, companies, leaders, um, particularly people in HR who, who it's their kind of their falls under their purview to, to manage this kind of situation really need to address kind of their own preconceived opinions and biases as it relates to substance abuse and addiction, right? Because, you know, that, that it's, it's a disease, but most people don't see it like that. You know, they sort of blame the person. Do you, do you see that? the, The one, the one thing I'd like to say is that these, um, this addiction does not skip upper management or HR either. So a lot of uh, upper management, you know, presidents and vice presidents have addiction issues with addiction too. So it's not just, you know, your lower level employee. This happens at all stages. Secondly, people, um, HR needs to understand and they do, they, I, I talk to a lot of people in HR who don't want to lose their staff because of addiction, because it's tough to replace them in this climate. Yeah. So um, they asked me what we can do to get healthy and get stable, what they can do or how they can help, because they're understanding that it is quite a bit more expensive to try to headhunt a new employee and train them to the level of the employee that they're losing, Absolutely. as opposed to sending a up an employee to a treatment for 30 days and getting them sober and getting them, their feet mm-hmm. back under them, getting them to work a, a program, a sober program, and yeah. then easing them back into work is much less expensive and in the long run better for the company. So people are really waking up to that. And I hope people that are listening to us right now um, think about that for a minute. And if they do have preconceived ideas about um, addiction or employees that are addicted to understand that 
addiction is just a disease like anything else. It's, uh, you know, if you had an employee with uh, cancer, leukemia, let's say, and mm -hmm. they had 30 days to uh, get some radiation and chemotherapy, and then they would come back healthy and ready to do their job. Um, that usually wouldn't be an issue at all. So right. um, we have to start thinking of addiction as a disease which can be held and, uh, and it's a long-term, uh, you know, there's no cure, but there is not such a thing as long-term sobriety and uh, in the long run, it is better for your company. Yeah, well, and, and the point you brought up about it being harder now to, um, find talent right to and hiring is is become more difficult in this in this new work environment in this new future of work uh it, it's it's even more paramount for companies to take care of their current employees to yes. your point and so uh looking at retention in a much more serious way addressing those preconceived opinions and notions about addiction because we're all in this new environment and to your point yeah it affects everybody it doesn't matter mm -hmm. whether you're ceo or, or you know frontline worker it doesn't matter anybody is susceptible to this disease yes and so can what can companies do on the hiring front to to to, to prepare or at least better understand their the potential new employees as far as like what what can they do to to know exactly what it is that they can do to support any employee that comes through the door? Well, there can be um, literature in hiring packets regarding uh, addiction treatment, should it be needed, um, kind of preempt anything like that. If uh, policies, uh, if if employees know the policy is to help someone with treatment the first time that they're found out to have, you know, they, there's a first chance kind of thing, second chance, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. That allows an employee to feel safe coming to HR and talking about these things up front. So allowing mm -hmm. uh, new hires to know about this. And then once uh, an employee is found out to have an issue and they, they're able to admit it and uh, um talk to uh talk to hr in a serious manner you know hr letting them know what the guidelines are and knowing that you know having a place already that they work with a treatment center that they've already um had contact with and and we can uh work closely with um hr to mm -hmm. get them in we uh fight we uh follow hipaa guidelines so we have to be um keep everything anonymous and Things right. like that. One of our treatment centers is uh, up in Encino Hills. It's very private. We get a lot of, um, you know, pilots and uh, CEOs and things like that. They're allowed to do work from there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're allowed to, you know, get on their computers and do things like that, make some phone calls as long as it's not uh, uh, affecting their sobriety. Sure. They're able to kind of limp along keeping up. So that when they leave, they're not just buried in, you know, like some people need to pay bills, they need to talk to their kids, they need to, um, mm -hmm. you know, might be in the middle of a really big project that they need to check up on, they might have to do a Zoom meeting with their co-workers, that can all be done for treatment. Sure. Yeah, that's fact. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think, I think that the, 
overall point there is sort of, you know, the, this um, being proactive about it, you know, kind of uh, being transparent about the fact that, you know, we, we take the mental health of our employees very seriously and, and we have these programs in place and please let us know. We always recommend, you know, at least one of the questions in the interview process should be like, well, well what is it that we can do to support you? Like, what do you need as an employee to bring your whole self to work, to feel like you belong and, and just set that relationship up in the right way. Uh, because I think right now more than ever, it's, it's so important um, to do that. Yeah, this is awesome. I, uh, you know, one thing I'll just throw out there that we do uh, that, that really is a way for people to check in uh, on how they're doing every day without getting into the nitty gritty details of it is we call it the traffic light check-in. And, you know, we just go around as, as the team uh, in our at the beginning of the meeting and we give our color, you know, green is you're good to go. Yellows, you know, I'm a little off. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep. And red is I'm not doing really well right now. Yeah. And just having that uh, knowledge of our coworkers and, and over time, you really start to understand what that means for them and how that impacts their daily work. Sure. And it really becomes a powerful tool to, to what you're saying, to give employees that, that safe space to let you know how they're doing yeah. and if they need help. And I think that we all like in every facet of our lives, but I mean, in business, we need to be able to show empathy and yeah. uh, understand. Uh, I'm, I often get asked to come and speak to companies, you know, 30, 40 employees at a time and talk about um, addiction and how addiction affects us and, and the opportunities for treatment. And uh, and it not not necessarily for even the employees that are there, but maybe they know someone or they have a family member. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't know someone who needs some kind of help. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's you know, how do you address that? How do you uh, get someone to understand that they need the help? And uh, you know, how do you apply tough love when you need it? And uh, you know, tough business practice if. Someone understands that they, if they test dirty for drugs or alcohol, that they're going to get fired. But here's your chance to clean up. Right. You know, they're hopefully they're going to take that chance because you know that rock bottom is losing their job, and you know we exactly. uh, we want to make sure that uh, we catch them before they actually lose it all. Yeah. No. Well, I Gregory, thank you for today. This. Um, is, was a really powerful conversation. And I think just really eye-opening and, and timely, you know, it, um, I, I hope that the audience can take a lot of this information back to their organizations to kind of figure out a way to, to provide help. You'll, you'll probably list my information on how to get in touch with me, but I do yeah. have an 800 number. It's 833-244-5900. And uh, you can call anytime, even if you have questions or you want to know how to handle a certain situation or you have a patient you think is ready for treatment, someone that is ready to uh, get some help, you can give me a call. We can give you tons of advice. Um, we can possibly accept you into our treatment center or we can refer you to um, somewhere else. There, there's more than just uh, alcohol and drug addiction. There's sex addiction. There's 
you know, people are addicted to their freaking phones these days. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's it's hard true. to break. Uh, right. Right. You know, there's sex addiction, those things. So um, there's other types of help for that. Eating okay. disorders, those kinds of things. So uh, let me know. I have tons yeah. of re references and referrals and I can help. I can help you. I appreciate that. What's the number one more time? It's 833-244-5900. Great. Yep. We will. That's posted um, with everything else. So, well, thank you again, Gregory. This, this yeah, is really great. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, again, the more we know, the, the better we can do. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in again to A Higher Future. You can find us on all the streaming sites like Apple and Spotify and on our website, interviewia.com. Thank you all very much. Take care. Thank you.